The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and today my very special guest is a friend of mine and someone who I admire for his courage and the work he does in the world. We're very fortunate to have with us today Coot Blackson. Coot is a visionary in the world of human potential and born in Ghana, West Africa. His life is a reflection of how he supports others to achieve their best. Coot, welcome to the show. Great to be back and I'm really excited to uh, chat with you. Oh, I know. It's great to have you back. Where are you today, Coot? Back in L.A. Just got back to L.A. from New York, so uh, the sun is shining and uh, just enjoying every moment. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you tend to enjoy life every moment anyway. I mean, I have... um, I don't think I've ever seen you depressed. I'm sure you've had good moments, (laughs) but but we'll talk more about that later. So, uh, Coot, we have so much to talk about, you know, your life, yes. your new book. Um, your new book is You Are the One. And, you know, I, I'd like to start out talking about that because um, I love that in the title, you put a period after every single word. You mm-hmm. are the one. So there is absolutely no mistaking that this is about you, and I feel like what you're saying is, okay, no excuses. <laughs> so, mm. so tell us a bit about this, this book and, and what prompted yeah. your thinking here. Yeah, I mean, you are the one. People say, what's the book about? In, in essence, it's all in the title. You are the one, and you're absolutely right. I wanted there to be no mistakes. I think so often in our culture, which is celebrity-driven and so much social media, we're often, you know, looking outside of ourselves, at least what I observe, for a hero, for a savior. We, we look at, uh, you know, I live in L.A., which is the epitome of, you could say, celebrity culture and hero worship, and we had the Emmys not long ago, the Oscars, the Grammys, all of that happens in Hollywood. And so often we look at, you know, the, the, the Michael Jordans of the world, the Oprahs, the Elon Musk's, the Bruce Lee's, and we look at these folks and go, oh, they're amazing and they're incredible, and and we worship these folks through social media and television and movies and what have you. But uh, I really believe that, you know, the great ones, uh, whether it was also, you know, let's say a a Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King or a Gandhi, you know, they just showed us our own capacity for who we can be, our own capacity for loving, our own capacity for greatness, the Mandela's of the world, our own capacities for what it is to be, to reach and express our our full potential and give our gifts uh, deeply to the world. And so, so often we project 
uh, uh, we project greatness onto these people, but they're just reflecting to us what we can do. And I, and I think, you know, what I wanted this book to be was a bold invitation, a bold challenge, a bold inspiration that we take responsibility for what we all have and we we take ownership for what we have and we reclaim our power. And I think, you know, so many of us, we, we all want to be great, but I think uh, greatness is a moment-to-moment choice. Essentially, it's what we are, a moment-to-moment choice to manifest our true soul's potential in the world. And uh, so what I realized many years ago, you know, having come to the U.S., and I remember literally sitting in a tiny room uh, on the floor. I must have been 18, 19, and I was, I was, like, I had nothing. I was stealing bread from a supermarket because I had no money. And I was in my room, and I was crying, and I was frustrated. And, and I remember a moment. This is, I think, where the genesis of the book started. I was having a moment where I was mad at the world. I was mad at God because I felt like God owed me something. You know, I was following my dream, I thought, and, and, and nothing was working, and I was poor, and I knew no one, and I was struggling. I was mad at my father because I felt my father wasn't supportive. I, I left, um, you know, I left London, and he had 300 churches, and I left his churches, and we didn't speak, and so I had no support from my father, very little from my family, very little resources, and I was sitting in my room, mad at, mad at my father, mad at everyone, and I realized, you know, I had this moment, this kind of epiphany where, where, where it hit me, and I, and I saw how, how incredibly entitled I was, I was sort of being, and, and I had this attitude like God owed me something, my parents owed me, the government owed me, and I realized no one owes me anything, and something shifted inside of me when I gave up this idea that someone owes people owe me something, life owes me anything, and, and I saw how profoundly blessed I was in that moment, I saw how profoundly uh, loved I was in that moment, how the universe had given me everything, hands, on the basic level, hands, ears, eyes, but there was so much potentiality inside of me, so much uh, greatness inside of me that I wasn't tapping into, and so when I shifted my the paradigm of my thinking from this idea of life owes me something to no one owes me anything, giving up entitlement, accessing radical gratitude. And also in that total responsibility, something shifted. And you could say I tapped into a whole nother level of my own potential. And I took on a whole nother level of responsibility for uh, creating my own reality in my own life. And I think sometimes we're afraid to truly own our power, to truly own our greatness, because once we really own that, wait a second, the government's not coming, going to save us, you know, our parents aren't going to save us, uh, our friends aren't going to do it for us, then we have no excuses. It's really the responsibilities on us. We have no more excuses. And I think that's, uh, that can be scary, but inside of that is also a profound responsibility. So uh, it started for me in that small shift that happened many, many, many years ago. And, and so this book is just uh, an invitation to help people take responsibility for their lives and manifest their greatness. And what people will get out of the book is simply they'll, they'll, they'll find the tools to discover their true, true soul's calling, true purpose, and ultimately discover who they really are and be able to love fully. So you, you know, that's a pretty dark place to be when you feel like um, the world is caving in on you and life isn't fair and um, there is no support that's a pretty big shift to make mm. in that space of everything is, is destined to be horrible to I can make it different. What in you, what allowed you to do mm. that? Where did that come from in you? I mean, when you say you had wow. an epiphany, you yeah, know, I, it, was, it, 
I, I was, I remember, you know, sitting in my room, just crying, crying. And, and I realized everything I was, if, if I'm honest, you know, everything I was, it wasn't like a technique or a strategy I did, but I realized that everything I was focusing on, it was just a moment, Cheryl, where everything I was focusing on was about myself. And everything I was focusing on trying to get was me, my, why is this not happening for me? Why is this God? You know, and it was all about myself. And, and, and it was just this moment of, of just, I don't know what it was, grace, uh, kind of being spiritually slapped in the face of just realizing, oh my God, it's, I'm just focusing on myself and what I need and what I can get. And, and, and just something shifted. I just, I just felt the sense yeah. of, my God, how, how, how ungrateful am I, you know, feeling sorry. I was just sitting there feeling sorry for myself, how God doesn't love me and no one loves me. And, I, and, and it was just like this awakening of how pitiful is this? I'm healthy. Yeah. And it sounds so yeah. simple, but, you know, being in such tears and pain, it was just, I don't think yeah. I can cry anymore in that moment because I didn't have anything. So it was like, maybe I cried myself out. I just hit this, I came through mm. the other side and I, and I think I realized, wait a second, if I just sit here, and keep crying, nothing's going to shift. You know, Oprah's not going to just <laughs> knock on my door and say, hey, could I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting to discover you my whole life. Or, or you know, uh, you know, Elon Musk or, or, or some Bill Gates isn't going to knock on my door and say, hey, I have a billion dollars for you. No, like, it was this realization, like, no one is going to do it. No, like, no yeah. one's coming. And I, and, I, and I saw that I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm sitting here being a victim. I'm sitting here... In literally, you know, indulging my victimness, and 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 there was just this moment of truth. Of if I keep doing this, nothing will change. Nothing will change. And uh, so I, I so so uh, I know that you you grew up um, with your father being a very highly revered minister, and you also were um, doing some ministry with him, and. You know, and, and it's, you know, based on the love of God and helping others and, you know, being your best. And I know that you walked away from that in order to find your own place in your life. Do you think, though, that having experienced that, having grown up with those, um, uh, with those beliefs, with those tenants around um, how to live your life. I mean, do you think that it kind of kicked back in and, and, you know, you, I mean, you had some context for this, right? Yeah. I mean, I think in that moment, what I felt was the profound love of the universe, call it God, call it life, call it divine intelligence, whatever label. I, I did feel like, wait a second, here I am complaining and moaning and groaning and, and, and feeling sorry for myself. But I felt like I'm, you know, every second that I'm being breathed, I'm being loved. Like that is the proof yes. of, of the love and the grace of the divine, the love and the grace mm-hmm. of the intelligence of life. I'm being breathed and I'm like that is everything. And I just felt this moment, you know, of, of just grace and acknowledgement yeah. of, wait a second, like this moment right now that I'm not focusing on that I'm not in touch with is an absolute miracle. And mm-hmm. something just opened up inside of me, you know, so you could say on some level, there was a spiritual moment for me that happened as well sure. in that realization sure. of, of just pure gratitude and appreciation for just this moment, this life. And I realized like, wait a second, I've, I've actually 
been given everything I need. I've been given so much, and I just saw how much I wasn't using mm-hmm. the potential. I wasn't. I was so busy focusing on, you know, where I wanted to go, what I didn't have, what I wasn't, where I wasn't, what I wasn't. Right. I wasn't right. really focusing on everything I did have inside of me. And and once right. that shift happened, then then something shifted. Right. You know. Then I started to to use the resources that I had to the fullest. And, uh, yeah. and and things started to turn around. But it was that responsibility. It was the acknowledgement of, of the gratitude for what Got I did it. have that, that made a difference. So you said earlier that we all want to be great. Everyone yes. wants to be great. Is that true? Does everyone want to be great? You know, I think many of us do. Um, I think deep down, at the deepest level of our being, there is greatness inside of us. Um, there is greatness inside of us. And I think, I think deep down there is an impulse towards greatness, whether we acknowledge it consciously or not. I think there's a lot of folks in the mainstream that, you know, they'll watch an Oprah on TV or they'll watch the award shows. Why, why do we watch the award shows? I mean, why? Because we're seeing someone, you know, whether it's a Tom Cruise or Will Smith or, a, you know, an Usher or Justin Bieber or someone who is, you know, at least in one area tapping into an element of their own potential, an element of their own expression, mm-hmm. and a, an element of their own greatness in, in a particular field. And I think mm-hmm. it inspires us in some way, you know, but it's easier to watch these folks out there on social media and watch these folks live their lives and do their things and get their awards. Sometimes it's easier to just watch them than, than to truly take it on ourselves and say, wait a second, I yeah. can do that. Wait a second instead of watching these people live their lives and, and manifest their potential, uh, th- that's me. That I, I'm capable of that, so it's easier to project it. So I think whether we're aware of it or not, whether we fully owned it or not, we, there is an impulse to, to rise into to that, and I think the shift happens when we fully own it and we acknowledge mm. what, it is that we, what, what it is that we really want, because sometimes we don't really acknowledge Cheryl, Cheryl, what it is that we really want, what it is that we really are here to do, what it is that we really want to, yeah. the greatness that we really want to express, because if we really, so, so sometimes we play this game of, you know, well, I'm not really sure, Coot, I'm not really sure, like, what to do, yeah. or I'm not really yeah. sure how it's going to, I'm confused, and I think it's easy to be confused and to acknowledge this is what's seeking to happen through me. This mm-hmm. is, I do feel this passion. I do want to manifest this thing in the world. It's coming through me. It's, it's beyond me. I, yes, because, because to acknowledge that is scary. Because to acknowledge that, then we have no excuse. To acknowledge, sometimes it's easy to not acknowledge that impulse of yes. that dream, that vision, because then we can always have, we can always have that dream and vision as a future fantasy in the future, as yeah. a future hope, that we never actually have to risk failure, risk not looking great, risk going for, and we can always have it out there as a possibility somewhere that's, that's just always there in the future. So, so I think it takes a lot of courage to own our greatness and step into that and at least go for it and, and live the process and the journey that, that takes us on. So I think it's inside. I think it is inside of us. Mm. And so, you know, we do live in a world where uh, it seems like the uh, practice du jour these days is everybody else is to blame. No one does anything well enough. Um, I certainly can have an opinion about what everybody else does, but please don't tell me what I do well or not because (laughs) then I'm 
to blame you for what I'm not doing right. Mm. And, you know, I, obviously I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And uh, I'm seeing this become such a part of the fabric of our world, not just in the U.S., mm. but around the world. And it's, I'm wondering, what is it going to take for us to break through this? I mean, is it just going to have to be like one person at a time? Or is there, can we have you know, like a conscious awakening for an entire country or world? I mean, what, what do you think about that? I think each person, I think that's part of also why I wrote the book, because we can look out there and point the finger out there. But the reality is, we can't really, I mean, to a degree we can, but, but to spend our lives trying to change people out there is a futile task. I think the greatest, one of the greatest gifts we can give the world and what we are in control over is not necessarily what's out there in the external world, the government, friends, partners, relationships, children, but what we can control is ourselves and what goes on in our minds, what goes on in our hearts, what goes on within mm. our psyches. And, and I think, so the first step, I think, is to take full responsibility for what's going on inside of us. And, mm. and, and, and I think as we shift the thought forms and the mind forms, as we start becoming more compassionate with ourselves, more loving towards ourselves, more self-honoring within, stop, you know, dropping bombs of self-judgment and self-hatred within our own consciousness, terrorizing ourselves inside, you know, the war that goes on inside the internal conflict as we start healing ourselves and bringing compassion to ourselves. I think more and more, you know, the world is also a, a manifestation of of each of us, you know, the world is a collective manifestation of every single one of us put together. So I think if we want to do our part to bring peace in the, on the planet, if I think if we want to do our part to bring harmony in the world, we, what we can do and we have control over is, is bringing that within ourselves. And I think that's a, that's a sacred responsibility, you know, that we all have to do our part. And I think if we all do our part, if we all do our part, take responsibility, bring self-loving, heal, the division inside, and then we all come together, then I think it will slowly, you know, the tide will turn and the consciousness of the collective will shift. But uh, mm. because, you know, the world is, is a manifestation of of the collection of all of us. So I think that mm. that's a responsibility we have to take, you know. And it was a Gandhi that said, you know, we have to be the change that we wish yeah. to be. We have to yeah. be the change that we wish to see. One of the things that I've seen keeps us stuck, Cheryl, is that I think we can all start taking responsibility for and looking at and working with, because, okay, you know, we can't control the government. We can't control, you know, so many things out there, but, but we can at least look inside of ourselves and inquire and have an investigation. And one of the things I've seen keeps us stuck are all the ways that we lie to ourselves, all the ways that mm. we don't tell the truth to ourselves, all the ways that we BS ourselves and which cause us to, 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 to settle, to rationalize, to live inauthentically and live out of integrity. So I think when we lie to ourselves, we keep ourselves stuck and that affects, and then we create a life and we create relationships that are often based on the lie that we're telling ourselves. So I think if we're all willing to look at what are the lies that we're telling ourselves, that's number one. Look, what are the lies that we're telling ourselves? What are the untruths that we're telling? And, and to really look at, well, you know, what am I pretending to not know? And what is it costing me? What is it costing me in my life, in my relationships? Because I think if we're really willing to tell the truth, 
to ourselves about where we're at because sometimes we're not willing to tell the truth because we're afraid of, well, if I really am honest about how I feel, if I'm really honest about what's going on inside of me, if I'm really honest about how I feel about this relationship, well, maybe it will end. You know, if I'm really honest about how I feel about my job, then what, what, what will happen and what we're often afraid of the consequences of what will happen if we, if we're honest, if we tell the truth, if we speak the truth, if we live the truth, if we're really mm-hmm. that honest with ourselves. So I think one of the first things we can do is tell the truth to ourselves, look at where we're lying. What, what are we pretending to not know? What is it costing us? <clears throat> That's what I would say there, but also look at, you know, what are we afraid will happen if we tell the truth, but also then look at, um, you know, sometimes we're so focused on, all the negative things that will happen if we're really honest and we tell the truth to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We also look at what, what amazing thing might actually happen if we tell the truth. What amazing things could happen. What possibilities, what incredible possibilities might open up by being truly honest. I think when we're really honest, it, it, it causes us to face reality. And it's mm-hmm. only by facing reality as it is. When we're willing to face reality as it is, then we can make the choices to be able to shift our reality. But until we face reality and acknowledge reality as it is, then we can't change it. Because even if we do try and change a reality, if it's not reality, then we're just rearranging a lie. And then we just perpetuate the current patterns and limited patterns and dynamics of our lives. So I think it takes tremendous courage to tell the truth, speak the truth, live the truth. So I I always say life is simple, but not always easy, but it requires (laughs) We, we tell the truth. You know, we really tell the truth right. to ourselves. And I think that, that's what we can do. If, if we tell the truth and you tell the truth and we're truly living in the truth of who we are and how we feel and we're communicating the truth of who we are and how we feel to each other, I think the world would be a, a radically more enlightened and profoundly mm. more um, uh, inspired place. Mm. I like what you say about uh, what am I pretending not to know? And sometimes we lie to ourselves and think we make changes, but in actuality, we are rearranging our lives. We're going to talk yes. more about this with Coop Laxon when we come right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. My very special guest today is Coot Blackson, author of You Are the One. A Bold Adventure in Finding Purpose, Discovering the Real You, and Loving Fully. So, Coot, you said something in the last segment that I, that, I mean, so many things you said resonate, but there's this sentence you said, mm-hmm. what am I pretending not to know? And mm-hmm. that's about myself or about why I stay in a situation that doesn't serve me or why I believe that good things can't happen or that if I try something that is um, risky, that I will fail. I mean, there are all kinds of, of common things that people tell themselves. And, you know, I, I also heard you say that, you know, sometimes if we step into um, our boldness, mm. that our fear is that we will fail. And, you know, I think that that is true. I think that's very common. I'm also aware of how so many people around an individual are very willing to help them know why something won't work, why they shouldn't dream so big. What do you think that comes from? Why do people do that? Why do why do people uh, why, why do people try to squelch the dreams of others or help them help yeah. them really believe that you know nice yeah. that you're having this great pipe dream, but it's you know <laughs> probably not realistic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, here's what I found because, you know, honestly, so I, I heard that stuff my entire life, by the way. <laughs> yeah. just, just to be clear, I mean, I heard stuff like that my whole life growing up. You know, I was, my, I was black, I was Japanese, I didn't quite fit. I grew up in London, I didn't fit in, I didn't go to university. So, I mean, I heard that stuff my entire life growing up. And, and, and so, you know, what I found was, Many times when you have a vision or you have a dream that's, that's big, it doesn't have to be huge, but a vision or a dream that's maybe bigger than yourself and it's something that's authentic. Um, when you're going for it, many times people will sometimes squelch on your dream, try to bring you down because it's often easier for them to do that because as you go for your dream, it, it kind of brings to the forefront and it, you could say, you know, puts in their face somehow the ways in which they're not necessarily stepping into that boldness for themselves, mm. the ways in which they're not necessarily going for it themselves, the ways in which they're settling for maybe mediocrity, settling for their own limitations and fears. So that when people sometimes see you going for your vision with courage and boldness, uh, it can bring up their own reality. It can bring up their own limitation. It can bring up their own fears. It can bring up their own stuff. So rather than saying, Cheryl, go for it. You're amazing. You know, sometimes yeah. the way that they protect themselves, the ways that people sometimes, you know, protect their own, 
ego, protect themselves from feeling bad or protect themselves from having mm. to then risk and step out and say, well, if Cheryl's doing it, I'm going to do it. The way they protect themselves is to go, mm, you'll never make it. It's never going to work because then they don't have to, they don't have to go for it themselves. So uh, right. well, I, I, I often say that you know, people's opinion of you, especially in those moments, really is not personal. It often reveals more about themselves than it does about you. Yeah. And so, yeah. so yeah. One, one thing from my own experience that I've had to do is when people would say, well, that can't be done. You know, you'll never do that. That won't, that won't happen. That's unrealistic. One of the things I had to do was realize it's not personal. It re- it's really their mm-hmm. own limitations. And I had to make a choice of I'm not going to live inside of their limitations for me. That's the first thing. The second thing is I really would often look at the source of where the, where the feedback was coming from. And I always would make a decision. And I'd say, I'm not going to listen to someone who hasn't actually done what I've wanted to do. I'm not ah. going to listen. If they, if they haven't done what I've wanted to do, whether it's a best-selling book, whether it's a TV show, whether whatever it is, I'm not going to listen to them because there's no shortage of people who, who think they know what you should do and how you should live your life, but they haven't done it themselves. So the question became, why, why the hell should I listen to that? You know, And, yeah. and so yeah. for me, uh, that, was, that was a shift that happens. And here's what I've also found. Those dreams, those bold dreams and visions have chosen you. Each of us, we have dreams and visions. Maybe we've buried them. Maybe we've, we've forgotten about them. Maybe we've been conditioned out of them. Maybe, maybe we believe people's stories about what we're capable of and we've, we've kind of like pushed them to the side. But I believe if you have a dream and a vision, it's chosen you. It's chosen you for a reason. It's chosen you because you are the perfect person. You may not be perfect, but you are the perfect person based on your history, based on your upbringing, based on your quirks, your failures, your ups, your downs, your traumas. Every single thing that's ever happened to you has made you, synchronized you, marinated you, prepared you perfectly to be the perfect configuration of a human being that is able to fulfill that vision. And there are people that need to hear, need to experience the dream, the vision, and only the way you can communicate and share it with the world. And so, number one, realize the dream chose you. You might think you chose the dream, but it chose you. So on some level, what I'm saying is it's bigger than you. And the dream and the vision, I believe, doesn't even belong to you as a person. It belongs to life. And you, Mm. me, you, Cheryl, Koo, David, Susie, whoever's listening, the dream belongs to life. The dream belongs to the divine. The dream belongs to the infinite intelligence, the universe, whatever you want to call it. We are simply the vessels. We are simply the vessels for which the dream is seeking to use to manifest itself into physical form. So our job is not to get all wrapped up in how is it going to happen and what did, what did my parents say and what did that person say? Because the dream doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to life. We're just conduits. We're just vessels and channels for the dream to, to, for, for, to be used by life for the dream to manifest through. So our job is really to not try and get in our minds and listen to this person, listen to that person, listen to what they have to say, or even listen to ourselves. Our job is to simply say, yes, get ourselves out of the way, open ourselves, surrender ourselves, and allow it to be done through us. It's bigger than us. And I think when we can realize that it's not mine, the dream is not mine, then our ego, see, our egos want to hold on to the dream and make it about me and mine. And when, when, we, when, we, when we hold on to the dream and vision, make it mine, then it's easy to get caught up in our own minds. It's easy to get caught up in kind of like a tussle with another person. But when we know it doesn't belong to me, then it's like, 
this belongs mm-hmm. to life. I'm just going to show up, do my part, do kind of follow my guidance, take the actions that I'm guided to take, and trust that life inherent in the vision is also the seed for its fulfillment, and this dream belongs to life. But then mm-hmm. what I found for myself is a profound shift in a way of, of manifesting dreams. What I found for myself is I don't have to do it. In fact, I am not the doer. And when I realized that I could, as an ego self, am not the doer, that life is what's doing, that's when I found miracles happen. That's when I found that, that the totality of the intelligence of the universe is what brings the vision and the dream into physical form. And I think from that place, from that perspective, it's been a lot easier to deal with the naysayers. It's been a lot easier to deal with with the criticism. It's been a lot easier to deal with, you know, other people's limited thought forms and mind forms. Because I know that, you know, I'm, I'm grooving on a different wavelength. I'm grooving, you know, I'm playing a different game. And I think that has shifted yeah. everything for me. And the last thing I'll say, Cheryl, is, at least something for myself that I've had to practice just from my own experience is I have to look at when people would say, oh, you know, coot this, coot that, that can't be done, you know, change this, this won't work, and then give me all the negativity and try and pull me down because it does happen when you are going for a big vision. There'll be many people that won't see your vision. There'll be many people that don't understand, and that's why you have the vision and they don't. You have the vision and they don't have the vision, and that's why you have to remember there's a reason you have the vision and they don't have the vision. Yes, so you have to yes. trust that intelligence. If they were meant to have the vision, they would have the vision. But you have the vision because you're the mm. one. Right? You're the one. You, the, the dream has chosen you. And so here's, what I, here's, here's kind of where I came to. If I have time, and this was kind of a, a perspective shift, if I have time to sit and think about what that person's saying and what that person's saying and what that person's bickering and what that person's trying to pull me, then, then honestly, my, my vision isn't big enough. I have too much time on my hands, you know? So, so for me, I would always, I would always look at if, if I, so, so, so when I truly open to the vision that was seeking to come through me, the way life was trying to manifest through me, it was so big when I truly opened my arms and said, this is what I feel. It's like, oh, my God, this is, this is what, this is what is, it, life is trying to manifest through me. When I really surrendered to that, honestly, Cheryl, I just, I just didn't have any time to worry about what other people were thinking. I didn't have any time to respond to the need. I, just didn't, it, I couldn't even fit that in my schedule anymore. You know? so, so I think we have to expand our vision and expand our vision of what, we, what we're what we're called to do, because when we truly allow the fullness of that, then we're playing a different game. You know, then we elevate our consciousness, we elevate our perspective, we elevate our focus uh, to play a different game. So, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about um, uh, several things. One is um, Wayne Dyer, who has said, Mm. the wonderful Wayne Dyer, who is no longer with us, but... Um, who has said forever, for decades, um, what other people think of me is none of my business. Which yeah. I just love that, right? That's, it's really what, what you're saying. And, and the other thing is um, about how people, whenever, even if they get to the point where, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to be all about this lifetime, um, the first question that usually shows up is, how do I do that? And mm. how tends to be a question that stops everything. 
And so, you know, what is it that you, what is it that, what, okay, I'm going to say how. How can people break through this? I mean, you know, what I think you're saying is, is if you simply show up, the the next step or, you know, what is coming yes. will be evident, right? Is that yes. what you're saying? So here, yeah, here's, here's what I'll say. The first thing is we get caught up in the how. I think you're absolutely right. We, we feel something, then we go, how, 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 how? Then we how ourselves out of it, and we don't fully own, this is what I'm called to do. Well, we're going to, well, yes. I'm kind of, no, 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 no. We have to first say, you know what? I'm not confused. This is what I'm here to do. I, I feel, at least in this moment, at the level of my consciousness now, it might change in the future. I'm meant to do this book. I'm meant to climb Machu Picchu. I'm meant to manifest it. This is what I feel is, is meant to happen. Mm-hmm. But, but we feel that and then we go, oh my God, how? And then we go into confusion and then we never fully own. In other words, we never fully own yes. We never fully say mm-hmm. yes to the calling <laughs> yeah. of our soul. So I think the first thing is we have to acknowledge it and say a full-hearted, open-hearted yes to the calling of our soul, which then requires us to not only acknowledge it, but it requires us to surrender. So what I'm saying is rather than going into the how, it requires us to surrender, to get ourselves out the way and say, universe, this is your vision. Universe, I don't quite know of my human mind how this is going to happen, but I know that you've been, I've been given this vision. And if I've been given this vision, it's for a reason. So I'm available. So I think the next step is we have to really make ourselves fully available to the vision. We have to make ourselves fully open, available. Um, then I believe the inner resources, the inner potentiality, the inner creativity, the inner um, wisdom starts to flow through us. The inner wisdom and ideas and next level of, of, of thinking doesn't flow through us if we're kind of like blocked inside, if we haven't thrown our heart mm. open and fully surrendered to the vision because then we're not fully open. So when we're fully open, that's when the creativity and the ideas and the potential flows. And then I feel we have to surrender. And I think mm. surrender is, for me, one of the keys. It's not giving up. It's, it's, it's a recognition of, that, of my own mental capacity, of my own ego capacity, I, I can't. I, I can't bring this about. Then, then I think we plug into when we surrender. If you look at Mandela, if you look at Gandhi, yeah. if you look at you know Mother Teresa. I mean, how did a woman with no money, Mother Teresa with no money, create this multi-billion-dollar empire? You could say it wasn't hers. I mean, it belonged to the people she served and moved the world. How did a man wearing a white cloth with sandals and glasses with no money, you know, bring down an empire and, and, and you could say inspire the conversation of peace on the planet. Because I mean, yes. they fully, they fully surrendered themselves to the vision fully. And that requires a profound letting go, a profound yes. That's when, that's when we're truly used. My father would often say, Cheryl, when I would stress out as a kid, you know, as a teenager, how, 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 and I would get into that question a lot. How, how, how? He would say, did, did you bring yourself to this planet? And I would say, well, uh, what do you mean? Because did you manifest yourself onto this earth? And I would say, well, no, I just showed up here. He goes, so you just showed up here, right? And I would say, yeah, just one day I just, <laughs> I was a little baby and I just showed up here. And they say, 
If you didn't bring yourself here, if you didn't force and struggle and stress to bring yourself here, you just somehow showed up here one day. Surely that same intelligence that brought you here, surely that same intelligence that, that brought you into this world, it knows how to fulfill itself through you. And I think what we have to stop doing is, is returning to the deep trust of that intelligence. So right now, Cheryl, there is a, for those that are wondering, oh my God, but how? Look, there is a living and breathing, there is a living, breathing intelligence that is beating your heart. It is functioning your cells. It is creating trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of processes inside of you. We don't sit around every day and go, oh my God, how am I going to breathe? How am I going to breathe? How am I going to digest my food? How am I going to use the restroom? How am I going to see? How am I going to... It just happens. We are being, for anyone that's questioning and wondering, and it's like, take a look inside. Investigate your inner being. There is a living miracle that is happening, and you don't have to believe in God or anything, just, just reality. There is a living miracle that is happening inside of you and I right now in this moment. It's a miracle. That same intelligence is what's living you. That same intelligence is what is unfolding our life. Look at nature. The sun rises, the moon rises and shines. The trees fall when it's, you know, when, when the seasons, when it's the right season, everything is working in harmony. How? It's just happening. Everything is happening. When the mango is ripe, it falls. And the bananas, the leaves, the, the, the whales, the oceans, everything is working in an in a, in a integrated whole. How? Something is unfolding it, yet somehow you and I, our ego separates ourselves from this, this uh, 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 kind of circle of life, and we forget that you and I, we are also a part of this nature. You know, when I mm. sat in the room, Cheryl, in the beginning of the conversation, feeling so ungrateful, yeah. feeling so ungrateful for my life, I had the epiphany I had was part of the reason that I, and this is kind of a kind of a spiritual moment I had. It was part of the reason that I don't want to uh, surrender. Part of the reason I don't want to truly live in gratitude. Part of the reason we, as human beings, resist being complete gratitude. Gratitude, like oh my goodness, it's amazing. This life is amazing. Every moment is amazing. Like complete gratitude is because. That level of gratitude requires a surrender, requires an acknowledgement of what it is, whatever it is that is living us, that there is a process that is living us. And to live in gratitude requires a surrender and a, and a, and a full acknowledgement to what it is that's living us. We are being lived. And I think when we realize that, that same intelligence, it knows how to bring about our dreams. It knows how to bring about our destiny. It knows how to bring about, you know, our highest soul's fulfillment, potential, mm. dharma, life, purpose. And I think we have, to, we, have to, we have to return to a deep trust in that. So investigate inside. Just breathe. Just meditate. Just go inside and realize what's happening just in your body. Because the same thing that's happening here can happen out there. And, and for those that might mm. know, like, well, you know, what's the first, what's, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Look, if you have a vision and you're still like, how, how? Simply go in the direction. Take the first, like on a practical level, let's just break it down. I say take the first step. If you're not sure mm -hmm. what it is, go in the direction because we all have a sense of, okay, it's, it's at least 
head north. So take the first step in that direction. One of the myths, I think, is we, we that, that, that was often perpetuated, I think, in personal growth is you have to have it all figured out before you, you take the first step. You have to know all the steps before you, right. you know, you have to be able to write it down in, on a poster board or, you know, neatly put it into a few sentences. I, I don't believe that's wrong because I think the soul mm-hmm. knows even when the mind doesn't. The soul has an inner GPS and an inner vision. And if we allow ourselves to trust and be guided, so you don't have to know exactly where you're going and exactly what it's going to look like in order to get there, but we do have to take a first step. And I think when we take a first step in the direction of the love, of the passion, of the vision, that step, when we take that first step, the next step will reveal itself, and the next step reveals, reveals itself, and the next step reveals itself. So I think the fulfillment of our visions and our life purposes reveals itself in the unfolding of life itself. And before you know it, what will often happen is you end up, li- you end up living into your purpose. You end up living into the vision, and you look around and go, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm living it. And it may yeah. not quite be what you thought based on who you are today. It may not be what you thought based on the, the you that you were when you first caught that vision, but we do have to take a first step. And so I'm just going to break down in like one minute a few questions on a practical level that maybe folks can ask themselves. So if they're still like, well, how and I'm not sure and what. The first thing I would say is really if you're not sure like which direction or what your purpose is or, or how to refine or clarify, I would say, clarify the dream or the vision or the purpose, I would say, number one, look at your experience. Look at your experience because all of your experience will show you what you're good at, what your, what your, what your skills are, because your experience, I believe, can, can, is pointing in a direction of how life has been preparing you. So your experience will show you your skills. So then look at what your skills are. Uh, look at what you love. Look at what your skills are. Then I would say also look at what what. What things come naturally to you? What, 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 what comes effortlessly to you? Maybe you're great at cooking. Maybe you're great at art. Maybe you're great at design. Maybe you're great with numbers. Look at what comes naturally to you. Go in that direction. What comes naturally to you? Look at what specific problems are you, uh, what specific problems are you naturally gifted at solving? I believe that you know making money in the world and being successful in the world is in direct proportion to the amount of value that you're able to add to people's lives. And the amount of value we're able to add to people's lives is determined by often helping people solve pain, a pain, a problem, or challenge that they're dealing with. So look at what specific problems you're able to solve because likely that's a gift and someone else uh, what's what's what comes easy to you, and the problem you're able to solve uh, is it will have definite specific value for another person. And the last thing I'll say is look at look at which community of people. What what's the community of people that you naturally maybe have an affinity for? Maybe you feel a connection to the blind or the homeless or you know teenage kids or you know uh, single mothers single single mothers. What, what's the community of people you naturally feel a, a connection to? Because that can also show you the direction you must start going into. So I would say some of these things, for those that are on a tangible, specific level, wondering how I think may be able to help Cheryl in, in at least moving forward and taking action. But I think we have, to, we have to start moving in the direction. And it's not about perfection. It's about you know, progress. Hmm. You know, I... Um, uh, I we're going to just keep going. I'm not going to take a break here. I, I just love our conversation, and we've got um, we've got a few more minutes left for the show. Mm. Uh, so you know, I I 
Oh, I have so many questions for you, Coot, and mm-hmm. I, I want I want to get to um, you know what it is that uh, that is that is the core of helping another to fully blossom. You know, I I see oftentimes parents. Um, in the spirit of, you know, wanting children to have high self-esteem, etc., so they help them feel good about themselves. And then when this child wants to take a big risk or have a big dream or, you know, do something that's a bit out of the norm, the parent now, in the spirit of protecting the child from pain... Um, says, oh, let's, let, let's, let's be a bit more practical than that. Mm. And, you know, and, and I, um, I know that that's part of what's going on with the current generation of um, teenagers and 20-somethings right now. Um, mm. And they're having a hard time determining kind of how they want to show up in the world. They have these big ideas. They want to be, um, you know, a global citizen. They want, they care for the earth and they just want things to happen easily for them because most of their life things have happened easily for them. I, 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 I predict that this generation is, um, you know, probably in their late 20s and 30s, unless they get Really, your message. They're gonna. Mm. They're gonna stumble. They're gonna, mm. you know, be pulled back. How do we really help them? Mm. It's a big question. <laughs> uh, you know, I think one of the greatest gifts. You know, I'm not a parent, but I have worked with many kids, and I mean, kids starting from the age of eight. And I think, here's what I've observed, that, that, you know, when we're children, we come in with this bright light, we come in in touch with the divine, our essence, you know, and we go through life and we're born because we have certain lessons to learn on this planet and we're born. And then, you know, there's a deeper part of us as children. We're in touch with our divine nature. We're in touch with infinity of our being, but often we're born into a world that is a little crazy. And many times no one really sees who we really are. That's what I've observed. No one really sees who we really are, which is we are divine. We are, we are infinite, you know, the infinite part of us as souls. And it's often not seen. And what I've observed working with a lot of kids, young kids, 8, 9, 10, that there's this kind of underlying subtle psychic anger, and it goes something like, I'm divine, and no one sees it. I'm divine. And, and, and no one really sees who I really, really, really am. And, it's, and it's, a, it's an anger that is very hard to speak to because often mm. they can't speak to it. And, and so a lot of the anger of some of the kids I've worked with is not a conscious thing. It's just this underlying sense of, this is crazy. I, I, I right. feel my divinity and no one acknowledges my divinity. So I think one of the first things we can really do is to truly, 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 truly see another, see who 
you really are, to see who our kids really are, to see, I mean, I think it goes for everyone, but to, to really show up in the sense of, I see you, I see the divinity in you. Yeah. I see, I see, I see you. Yeah. Beyond this personality BS, beyond your behaviors, beyond this, beyond that, it's like, we have to deal with that, but I see you. And I think we forget, we get caught up in the ego and the persona and the personality. And I think, when a young person looks into our eyes and what they see is judgment, what they see is you're not enough, what they see is, you know, whatever judgments that might, might be there, that's the mirroring that happens. And then that creates a disconnect and it often can create a frustration. And that's what sometimes gets reinforced and it can create this sort of, sort of I don't know, schizophrenia, this, this mismatch when they see us and in our eyes they see what the hell's wrong with you. Yeah. Versus what if we showed up and we're like, I see you're divine. You are divine. You are God. Yeah. You are infinite. You are soul. I see your greatness. Yeah, we need to deal with this stuff. We'll, we'll, let's handle some of these, you know, human things. But I see you. And we hold I that. I see you. Yeah. I see you. Then because we hold that. Then you that, that are yeah. the one. Absolutely. You are the one. Coot, it has been amazing to have you here. I absolutely loved our show. Um, we have got to close. I, uh, I know that people will want to know how to reach you. How can they do that? Awesome. A couple of ways. Uh, obviously, my Facebook, Coot Blackson. Reach out there. I'm always on social media. Uh, you can also go to my website. One of, I'll give you two websites. One of my websites is www.youarethewonebook.com. If you haven't checked out the You Are The One book, you can purchase the book, but also there's a maze disc. There's a whole video training series there. I do an event twice a year, which I'm really passionate about for visionaries and leaders to help uh, catapult you into living your greatness. That's www.boundlessblissbali.com. Those are a couple of ways that folks can reach me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Coot Blackson, for being here and inspiring all of us to be our best self and let that happen. The book is You Are The One on bookshelves everywhere and Amazon. Coot, I love you. Remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Escobedo. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 